Hello and welcome to the Red Leaf Card, your home for Canadian soccer news and views. My name is Jacob. Today we have a guest onto the show and he's a fan for York United and he's a member for Center of the Universe and his name is Namo Yoon. Nice to have you on the show, Namo. Hey Jacob, how you doing man? Thanks for having me on. So big news for York United right now is now they found a new ownership for York United and it's Game Plan Sports Group, which they have a, which their owners actually have some history about them. So Namo, what do you think about this uh, support uh, this owners? They have a lot of histories. And yeah, you know, like uh, overall we really excited. Because, uh, I mean, the biggest thing is that, uh, you know, um, it was so great to hear that there was so much um, uh, different uh, interest from different uh, perspective uh, ownership groups uh, for York United. You know, like, if you asked us um, when we first heard about the sale from Green Park, we wouldn't have uh, been able to guess just how many, um, how much interest there would have been in York United. Because, you know, uh, I guess we're kind of biased as fans, right? So, you know, we're obviously probably going to be a bit more optimistic than the, uh, the average fan or whatever. But yeah, you know, like, you know, we know there's a lot of good things about York United and about CPL as a investment uh, perspective. So overall, I think most of us are pretty optimistic, but, you know, you know we had some pessimists as well, too. You know, we had some guys who were thinking, you know, what's, what's the value that people see in York United and all that, you know, but for myself, I saw the potential, you know, like, uh, uh, fourth largest uh, metropolitan area in the North America, World Cup coming in three years. There's a lot, you know, like CPL, a growing league, one of the fastest growing leagues in the, in the world. There's a lot of like good uh, potential that York United has. So we're really excited to see, um, hear about how much interest there was. The uh, the guys themselves, the uh, the Pascal brothers and their partners, uh, you know, we love we love the the pedigree that they bring. Uh, with their uh, father, with their grandparents and their uncles being connected so embedded within Mexican football. You know, the, the stuff that um, that the uh, the bio had, you know, th- those are like small potatoes. We're talking like, you know, people who are embedded like uh, at the top of the top for the, uh, the Mexican Football Federation. We're talking about guys who played for the clubs, who uh, ran the clubs, who owned the clubs. These are like some massive, big names we're talking about in the Mexican uh, football community. And it seems that this uh, new uh, generation uh, within the Pascal uh, family wanted to uh, start their uh, journey here at York United. And we're really uh, honored that they chose to do so. Yeah, so hearing about the three Pascals, Miguel, um, Miguel, and all, all the Pascals, which are three of them, um, keep refer- the... One of them is Eduardo I th- and Miguel and and Ricardo and Ricardo, yeah. And they even mentioned on social media that the, of um, being part being in Toronto, and they've been at at a York United match, and no one even knew about these about these uh, people that they've been at that match. They just spectated. Is this uh is it this team a good good to own? And I think they actually made their mind to actually own this team. I th- and it I think this is a for them a 
for York United fans, they just got the biggest pot on, on the table because they have a great history in in the sport. And I think they they were part of uh part of Liga MX, which I think I've heard that you mentioned of being a little tied with SC Marguerite. They were I think they were part owners of it that uh, you mentioned on on social media. Yeah. Which, which you So I mean, you know, they have a you know no 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 you know what it was? It was a before before uh I put on social media that uh we guessed, you know, we just had like, you know, just we're taking random guesses really. We took a guess, but it's not fully true. Uh we were wondering at the time a couple of weeks ago whether the um the owners of um CF Monterrey, uh Rayados, uh is uh FEMSA, uh uh which kinda of almost like saying Coca-Cola Mexico, right? That's kinda of like the almost like the equivalent. And we were wondering if they were going to be the owners uh for York United, and it's obviously that's not the case, right? But uh when when we read the uh article from uh the, the league uh about the, the partners that are kind of backing the Pascals behind the scenes, uh you know, we don't know who those uh uh, corporations or conglomerates or companies are, but uh, they did, did say I, I believe at least one company had like a strong presence to uh, Ontario, and uh, there was another conglomerate that we were kind of wondering that could be involved a couple of weeks ago, and that was a uh, Bimbo. Bimbo is a very famous company, uh, a bakery company. It sponsors the Philadelphia Union for a long time, so, um, so a, a company like at the at the level of uh, Samsung, right? Uh, and Bimbo, uh, I believe, does have a connection to Ontario in the sense that they own Canada Bread. Uh, Canada Bread is the company that runs uh, Dempster's Bread and some other brands as well. And we know that uh, Canada Bread has uh, a couple uh, of their facilities within uh, Ontario, including one in Etobicoke. So that's, you know, I'm not asking anybody else, but that was my guess uh, as to a company that could be connected to uh, Toronto and Canada and Ontario. That could be partnered possibly partnered up with the pascals so you know like all this is exciting stuff for sure but uh you know when you started off the question you said that um you started off the question by asking about the pascals uh whether they had uh you know that they, they came to watch uh one of the european matches and stuff like that and you know for me uh it's so fantastic to hear that the fact that they came in person and they saw exactly what we are about uh you know no no bs you know do not embellishing anything you know this is who we are we play your client stadium we get uh, about 1,300 fans on average, but there's a lot of potential like we talked about earlier, right? So they know what's up. They know they know the reality. They know there's a lot of work to do. Um, but I'm glad that they saw it firsthand and that they were so impressed by what they saw and what they can envision. Because for myself, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not going to lie to anybody. I know what York United is about and what we are right now. And it's not that big of a thing. But I do believe we, as the, uh, the second largest professional football club in Toronto, could become a bigger thing than what we are. There's potential. You know, anytime you buy a business, you think about the potential as well as what the present day value is, right? So I'm glad the Pascals could see the potential. Uh, I see the potential as well. Um, I'm just, re- yeah, I'm really happy that they came to uh, Toronto and uh, watched the game and stuff. You know, like uh, uh, eventually, once we did find out who they are and what they look like, then we did put the pieces. Uh, the puzzle together we had seen them before we had seen them before you know we actually remember them passing by our stand uh 
uh, in one of the games that they came, but we had no idea who they were. We thought they might be representatives of um, um, who did we think? We thought they were representatives of um, maybe like Red Bull or not even Red Bull. Who, who do we think it was? I forget right now who, they, who we thought they were, but we thought they were like representatives uh, of the uh, ownership groups, and we had a lot of different names that we just put out, you know, completely out of our asses at the point, right? So yeah. So yeah, um, there were uh, one of the, her grandfathers, one whom who played for professionally in Mexico Liga MX for Club Necaxa, and he played for Club America. Have owned professional sports franchises, including clubs Club Necaxa, who, who they one of them actually played, and their uh, father. Miguel Pascal Sr. previously served as the general secretary and chief financial officer for the Mexican Football Federation. So a lot of a lot of history from from this family. So I think so the, the Pascals are keeping the tradition on what they want to do. So yeah, you know Exactly. When you say that, you know the the name that comes to my mind as the uh, the equivalent in Canada right now would be let's say Jason DeVos. So Jason DeVos right now is the uh, interim. I think is he the interim president or I forget what it is exactly, but he's like the president or the secretary for the CSA right now, right? I think he's the secretary, the general secretary, right? And you know he was a, a long time international for Canada, like a captain for Canada for many years. So maybe it's not the exact close equivalent, but imagine you know like the Pascal, their their father, being uh, the general secretary for FMF, the uh, Mexican Football Federation. Before that's kind of like Jason the boss. It's kind of like saying if Jason the boss uh, got older and he had like three kids, and those three kids grew up to become uh, an owner of a club in Mexico. I guess that'd be kind of like a, a, a equivalent. And if like you know like the boss had like you know brothers and his father also played in Canada as well or something like that. But yeah, we got like Mexican family, Mexican football royalty, that's kind of coming in really into um, into York United. Yeah, and I I hope that um, when York United is going to be sooner or later at the their new uh, season, it's always a good question um, how this uh, club is going to be like at this point. So. We are always going to be questioning about the offseason, who the players are going to sign, and let's just wait and see how it is. And I always quite so questioning of York United's offseason. I know you sports uh, draft is going to come in. Um, we think York United is hoping to get in this draft. You know, like... Uh... Obviously, York United being in the GTA, of course, like, you know, maybe they have a little bit of the hometown discount for uh, uh, players that grew, uh, played in GTA universities, uh, whether it be York or or the colleges around or whatever, I guess. Well, I guess it's youth sports shows just the universities, right? Um, but of course, you know, like really in a sports draft, the optimum strategy is to draft the best player available in the draft during your time, uh, your draft slot, right? So... You gotta know the players inside and out to really judge their uh, current uh, skill and their potential and all that. And usually, we do know that U Sports players are, uh, you know, like um, it's a hit or miss, right? Some guys can become starters, 
Some guys don't even make the roster. So we know it's a bit of a hit and miss. But, uh, you know, the, the most interesting thing is that one of the Pascal brothers uh, is going to be one of the uh, president uh, slash GM uh, for this club. So he's going to be calling the shots when it comes to uh, these personnel decisions, right? But he is obviously coming into Canadian football, I'm assuming, with a blank slate. So it's up to him. probably like his, that should be probably his one of his biggest focuses right now for the next uh, week or so is uh, get to know the, um, the youth sports uh, draft pool as best as he can. And there's a lot of good resources that I'm sure he's going to be leaning on uh, within the GTPA and within York United to get to know these players. Um, you know, the good thing about CPL is that it's really formed great partnerships uh, across the Canadian football pyramid. Uh, you know, obviously by buying League One in Canada and by purchasing League One Ontario. So you get a lot of, a lot of really good insider knowledge uh, from League One Ontario, because you know a lot of U Sports players do play with in League One Ontario during the during the summer, during the off season for universities, right? So clearly, like League One Canada scouts know these players inside out. That's their job. That's their like day to day job, right? So I'm going to assume that as the CPL League uh, staff is making sure to connect our new York United owners with the League One Canada scouts and the staff, and make sure that uh, our GM goes in with as much knowledge as, as he can and picks the best talent that's available and hopefully can uh, make a big addition to our roster this year. Yeah, about that, they were part of uh, League One Ontario. Right now, Canadian soccer business is now with with uh, League One BC also. And I've heard now it's going to be right now the League One Alberta already has seven teams. They've just already announced the Calgary Blizzards having their men's team and they have uh, another Calgary team which is called the Southwest United SC. So what do you, what do you hope of, um, of League One Alberta? Oh, you know, good for them, man. You know, like a really exciting news for them. Uh, you know, we're hoping to fill the whole country with uh, League One Ontario Leagues. Uh, you see it growing. Everybody's excited, you know. Uh, League One Prairies, League One Maritimes, I'm sure it's all going to be happening in the next uh, couple of years or so. Uh, hopefully in time for 2026, because everything is about 2026, about the World Cup. It's going to be so, you know, like soccer is going to be everywhere, everywhere in this country in 2026, right? Well, at least like in the big three cities, right? Or at least like in Vancouver and Toronto, right? Uh, so we got to build on that hype, man. So, you know, we got to make sure to have everything in place for 2026 and continue to build. It's really great stuff to hear, man. Uh, Legal Ontario, some exciting stuff that's happening. Introduction of ProRel. Uh, introduction of um, new divisions and stuff. What is it? Legal Ontario Premier, Legal Ontario Championship, and League to Ontario. It's all really exciting stuff. And the reserve division as well. Um, yeah, man. It's exciting stuff. And, you know, York United is a, a very good, um, a very important uh, block within this Canadian football structure, man. You know? Yeah, and I, I've heard that, that um, League One BC and the other... League One, uh, Canada team uh, leagues will also try to uh, add the promotion relegation system in the future when they get more teams in, in their uh, leagues. So, I know another question is, what do you think about if York United going to succeed with these uh, owners for upcoming season? Or is it going to be the same? 
I mean, we're, you know, we always got to be optimistic. Um, there's a lot of work that they got to do, you know, like, but it's so great that there's a three brothers that will be dividing up all these important roles uh, that comes into running a club both on and off the pitch. Because, uh, you know, for me, like, I never blamed Angus for this. This is the, the role that was given to him by the owners, but he wore a lot of hats at one time. And you can see by the fact that they divided the Angus's role into three for the three brothers. That tells you that Angus was doing the job of three people during his three years here. That's a really, really massive commitment that he took. So to become just the, the general manager of a club is a whole work by itself. To be able to scout all the players, whether it's Illegal Ontario, whether it's youth sports, or whether it's like international, US, or just CPL stuff. There's so much scouting to do. You're constantly watching constantly uh, recruiting, constantly negotiating. There's so much work involved with that. So that's a huge role by itself, GM. Then you got the uh, the CEO role, which is all the business stuff, all the admin stuff, all the uh, making sure a club runs as a business because you got to make money eventually at some point, right? Uh, got to be able to find sponsorships, got to be able to find the commercial uh, opportunities, got to be able to get the uh, rich uh, season sit seat the uh, corporate season uh, seat the uh, holders in as well just a lot of like business stuff to do right no matter what it, you know like how the club is doing on and off, uh, on the pitch so that all that off the field stuff is going to be handled by another brother in his role as a CEO then you got a third brother who's the uh, a, a reporter with ESPN for the last 10 years so coming with a heavy big connections all across North America he's going to be doing the role of I believe the chief commercial officer or some of that. So I guess he's going to be handling a lot of the partnerships, um, maybe like external partnerships, you know, like, like I said, he's, he's got the connections. So maybe like bringing in uh, business partnerships from across uh, Canada or North America or whatever partnership or, or Mexico as well too, right? So my guess is that the CEO brother will focus more on the internal stuff and within like GTA, whereas the other brother who's the, the commercial officer will focus more on the external stuff outside of the GTA. And that's a great way to split the roles. So I'm excited to see what we can do uh, on and off the pitch. But the fact that we got three brothers to do one man's role is a huge. And that's going to allow the brother who's doing the GM role to focus purely on the on the pitch stuff, which is already, you know, we got a lot of work to do. And the biggest thing that he needs to do, uh, obviously, he's got his Mexican connections, which we need. You know, we know Mexican football is very high level for many decades. We know that. We need that know-how. <clears throat> but we also need to, uh, take even greater advantage of the GTA um, hotbed that we are. You know, the Brampton being the uh, Canadian football capital, all that kind of stuff. You know, like we can't be losing all the best GTA talent to Forge or to Halifax. You know what I mean? Like we got to get our own legal and Ontario connections into York United as well. And I believe the 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 manager that um, that the GM hires will play a big factor to that. I mean, it could still be, you know, it could still be Martin Nash as well, right? And Nash has been here for two years, I believe now. So hopefully he's made his connections to Lego Ontario as well. But if uh, if not, if you're going in a different direction, then we need to make sure to get a guy who knows Lego Ontario inside out because there's a lot of talent in there that just uh, naturally flows in uh, into CPL. We see a lot of Lego Ontario talents who do really well in CPL. Um, I don't know, I have to think uh, you know, give the examples. You guys are, you know, listening already know who they are. You know, so we need to tap into that. Uh, you know, obviously a name that we all talk about uh, is uh, Carmen Isacco. He's not legal Ontario, but he is close. He's U Sports, so York University uh, um, head coach, who was obviously our 
assistant coach for your 9FC in 2019. So he knows this club inside out. He knows the GTA scene inside out. And we know the Canadian national team players. We know like Mark Anthony Kay, Kamal Muller, and uh, like Alistair Johnson, and et cetera, et cetera. We know these guys highly rate Carmine. They say he's a no-brainer choice. So that is a guy that can not just manage the players on the pit, on the field, but also be able to recruit players uh, into our squad as well. So that's obviously the first thing that comes to our mind, but there's a lot of really young and talented managers and head coaches in Ligue 1 Ontario as well. Like Ilya Olov is a guy that a lot of people talk about. Uh, there's other guys as well too. So I'm really excited to see who uh, uh, the Pascal brothers uh, bring in. Yeah, um, as as Nordic Hamilton, you mentioned Forge FC, that who they're membered with is Sigma FC, Hamilton United, and... There's always a question for a lot of what members are uh, York United is now you mentioned how the growth of how um, the the Pascal brothers are going to uh, try to grow this uh, team and now there now there's been a lot of question where will they find a home for York United yeah, great question. You know, obviously, the number one question uh, on the top of uh, everybody's minds is uh, where are we going to play? Everybody knows that, like, you know, whether it's the media, fans, or whoever, the owners know that, right? And then the second question that, you know, everybody asks is about our club name. But that's, you know, that depends on where we move to. So I believe they are related questions. Uh, you know, I'm so happy that Joshua Cloak in the uh, in the athletic article that broke the news about the Pascals, I'm so happy that he mentioned that Woodbine was a possibility. Uh, in the last paragraph of that article, um, it's the only location that was mentioned, right? So everybody knows that we have to get out of Wallace at some point. And the fact that Woodbine is considered the front runner for that um, move is to me, like it makes the most natural sense in the world. I've debated this with dozens of people on so many different uh, social media channels, in person, whatever. To me, Woodbine makes the most sense when you think of every single factor you can imagine. Uh, the biggest complaint that people have about WOWS is, um, you know, obviously the stadium, it's not four-sided. It looks a bit, it doesn't look as uh, imposing as BMO Field. But uh, a huge thing is that people want to have fun before the game and after the game. Because, you know, a lot of people get there early and then you want to do something after the game. People want to make a whole day out of it, right? And you need bars, pubs, and restaurants around the stadium to do that. And right now, like, you know, you got to walk like a long, like 10 minutes away into a student building to get to the closest pub. And that's not acceptable for a football stadium. So we believe Woodbine, uh, you know, like uh, with the expansion, it's the biggest casino in Canada. It's bigger than the big-ass casino in Montreal. It's bigger than the big-ass casino in Vancouver that I used to go when I was in uh, university. It's bigger than any casino in Canada. We're talking like bigger than anything in Niagara Falls. That's how big it is. It's got so many freaking restaurants in there. We can go like we can dine like a party. We can we can party like rock stars if you want to at Woodbine, or if you want to just have like a grub. There's like Timmy's there. There's like um, I'm sure pizza places there. There's so many choices, all within walking distance. There's casinos there if you want to go there before or after. There's racetracks. There's so much stuff to do. All you gotta do is get to there, and then you figure out the rest. There's so much stuff to do there. It will be an honor for York United to play there. I don't know why some people think it's not a, even a feasible option it'll be an honor if we could be allowed to play at woodbine stadium and deal with all the cross-marketing uh, promotions that they can offer 
you know, like uh, we can go to concert after the York United game, or people who are just like and Woodbine for whatever can come watch York United just for the hell of it. There's just so many options that open up. Like everybody knows it's an entertainment complex, just like how uh, what is that? Uh, Lansdowne Park. Uh, what's the name of that place? I guess yeah, I guess we call Lansdowne. Uh, just like how Lansdowne is an entertainment complex for Ottawa, you need an entertainment complex, and Woodbine is by far the best location you can think of. People thought, people have suggested so many other locations to me, and they do not simply compare to the uh, what Woodbine can offer. People suggest to me Lamport, Monarch Park, uh, some other places in Scarborough, Birchmount, um, other places in Vaughan. You know, like a VMC would be a nice. Uh, it would offer some of the same things that Woodbine does, but it's uh, very hard to get land there. And then otherwise, you're talking about just empty plots of land where we hope to think you got to buy the land. Woodbine is offering us free land. That's already a lot of like millions of dollars that are being saved there. So we're not only saving millions of dollars, we're also getting all that other entertainment shit along with it. Like they want us there. They want us to play soccer there. They want to build a training ground for the Canadian national team and for the World Cup 2026. Like this is the best offer. Like, I don't know how people cannot see it, in my opinion. The more I talk about it, it makes me kind of angry. But uh, like you know, if you're going to Lamport, you got like you know BMO Field, like 50 minute walking distance. You know, Lamport is like you know needs to completely gut it. Uh, the only thing that they can offer is beer tents, and you know I, I actually know Lamport pretty well. There's a, a couple pubs around there, but it's actually not even that good. It's, it could be like all condos and stuff there now. So Lamport isn't even that good. Scarborough, I don't know why people keep talking about Scarborough. Like you know they just want to see a Scarborough team, but you got to give me a location in Scarborough because Birchmount ain't either. Like uh, there's nothing around Birchmount if you see our Google Maps. It's, you gotta be good at that stadium too. So you gotta be have whatever location you give me. It's gotta be a new stadium anyways. But you might as well have some pubs and restaurants around it to, as well, because you know people are gonna be complaining about that stuff, right? So I can already foresee all the um, complaints that people would have about any other location that we come up with. Trust me, Woodbine is the place to go, and I'm so sure that Pascal see it. Everybody at your United sees that. I'm sure everybody at CPL sees that too. It's just up to the rest of the fans to see that as well. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. What you would say, like, uh, what what Woodbine uh, made a actual drawing of how it would look like and it it looks actually great for york united but yeah let me tell you real quick uh, you know like uh not only like woodbine stuck at their neck for us last year to put out a press release people don't seem to think that's a big deal but it's a big deal people don't seem to people seem to underestimate how big of a deal that was that they publicly announced those intentions that they're uh willing to designate the land for sports this is huge. The CBC picked up on this. Block twenty, uh, Block TO picked up on this. Uh, CTV, but it was, uh, the whole media picked up on this. You know, like people, Woodbine isn't just gonna like say, "Oh, you know what? My bad." You know, we just put out some random ass press release and we're just gonna cancel all those fines. They're not gonna do that so easily. They publicly declared their intention to do so, and I am sure that they still are waiting to do so. They're just waiting to see who the new owners are. They just, you know, the only reason this project got delayed is because uh, Green Park said we're out for whatever of their reasons it is. Uh, and it's a shame because Green Park would have been the perfect partner for this uh, project. So I'm really surprised. Maybe Green Park didn't get the uh, the residential stuff that they didn't want because uh, you know, there's supposed to be a residential component around Woodbine as well. And maybe they couldn't get that to happen. Maybe that's the reason why they bounced because like everybody knew from the get-go from 2019 onwards that Green Park bought this club so they could build a stadium and the residential complex around it. Okay, because they were talking about other locations in Vaughn as well. So I think that they just didn't get what they wanted from Woodbine, and that's the only reason that they pieced out. Okay, so 
Okay, so we got a woodbine who stuck their neck out. If the Pascals think that this is a good idea, if they go to woodbine and they like, hey, you know what, this is a fantastic idea, they're willing to put the capital, then we can make this happen. And I'm sure the league was very adamant that you have to consider woodbine or a new stadium to buy this club. So I'm sure everybody already knows what's up with that. And the last thing is the woodbine uh, chairman of the board, Jim Lawson, uh, used to be the CEO. So he's the one that really made this happen, okay? He's the one that kind of like the mastermind behind all this. He's uh, connected to uh, Scott Mitchell, the uh, the president of uh, Forge FC uh, or of the you know the Hamilton Sports Group and CSB. Well, you know Scott Mitchell is like the mastermind behind CSB and CPL. You know that, right? So Scott Mitchell and Jim Lawson are on the board together for Woodbine Entertainment. So Jim Lawson, no, no, Scott Mitchell is also part of uh, Woodbine Entertainment. Okay, you think about that. So Scott Mitchell, who is the head of CSB has a direct say in what Woodbine is going to do with that stadium or with that land. I mean, obviously, in his, it's in his best interest to make sure York United gets a stadium at Woodbine for the sake of the freaking league, right? So it makes a lot of sense that uh, uh, Scott Mitchell is going to be gung-ho about this, okay? Then you got the new CEO of Woodbine Entertainment that took over for Jim Lawson when he retired in, uh, two months ago in October. Uh, this new man, uh, Michael something, I forget his uh, name at the moment, he used to be the CEO or something like that or the CFO or something for the Toronto Argonauts. He had some similar role with MLSE. He also had some role with CFL. This guy is heavily connected to CFL, Argonauts, and MLC. And so is Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell is the uh, not only the head of CSB and the Forge FC, he's also the head of the Ticats as well, right? And obviously Bob Young is the owner, right? So these guys are all completely in the same circles. These guys probably party together on a monthly basis. So when you got all these guys in the same room that wants the same thing, this is, in my opinion, gonna happen. It just needs some money and it's up to the Pascals to provide that capital. That's all we were waiting for. I believe, I'm willing to bet more than 50-50 that within the, this off season, within the next uh, four months, that we're gonna hear something new about Woodbine. That'd be my guess, all right? But it's to the fans that the question, like, how long will it take? How, how long will this project take for for them if they actually actually start the the project? And you know, I'm in no rush because uh, you know, for me, I would rather they take several years and put up a proper, nice stadium with some bricks and stuff like that, than put up some pop up stadium within a year and rush the thing. Because I've been to the. Uh, the pop-up stadium in Langley for Vancouver FC, and I didn't really like the vibe that much. It's just so, it feels so temporary, and it's just, you know, it wouldn't uh, match the grandeur of Woodbine, uh, the casino, and the, the racetracks and all that. I want to make sure they take proper time to build a proper stadium, because we're in no rush. As long as, you know, the Pascals are willing to take a bit of losses, and we still have a club that exists at YLS, you know, we are, I'm in no rush, because I'd rather, rather much rather we get the new stadium right, uh, the only deadline that I have is for uh, summer of 2026 for the World Cup. I hope we have it ready for the World Cup so that it can be used as a, a training ground for national teams that will be coming to Toronto uh, and need somewhere to practice. And, you know, they can't you know, all practice at Bloomfield, Field, right? And you don't want them to go to OSC or something like that. You want them something nicer than that, right? And the, the second nicest place that we could offer would be this new stadium at Woodbine, Okay. So my hope is that we get it done for summer 2026. So we got two and a half years. 
I know two and a half years is not actually that much time, but uh, maybe it's enough time to put up, a, put up a decent stadium, okay? So I know that when the Woodbine project was first announced, the uh, architect that was attached to it was a company called Populous, and that's a company that's built some of the best football stadiums in North America for MLS and such. Uh, I remember, I think it's Kansas City off the top of my head, but there's uh, dozens, dozens of not just MLS teams, but uh, teams from the other big five leagues, from MLB, NBA, uh, NHL, NFL, whatever. Populous built a lot of stadiums for these big five teams. So it's a very legit name. But then they backed out, probably because uh, they knew that, uh, uh, was it a Green Park was going to back out? And then they uh, then the, then they announced that a 6-5 uh, stadium group would be uh, attached to this project instead. But 6-5 is the one that's done by the, uh, the president of... Uh, Vancouver FC and Pacific FC. It's uh, Rob Friend, you know, the former Canadian national team uh, international, right? And his partners, right? And they put up pop-up stadiums. And you know what? Unless you guys can prove that you can build brick and mortar stadiums, I'd rather have the populous guys back in or some other stadium, somebody, right? maybe somewhere in between that can build us like a nice mid-range stadium. So we just need a, like an 8,000-seater, 10,000-seater, something like that. Um, it depends. You know, uh, one, one name that we haven't talked about that's also an important component to all this, is Project 8. So Project 8 is also targeting like 2025, 2026, in time for the World Cup, right? When we're talking a brand new uh, uh, Canadian professional football league for women. And this is a massive deal. We got like Canadian Tire attached to it. Uh, we got uh, some other big company attached to it. This is a massive deal. Probably like Air Canada is going to be attached to it. It could be a bit even bigger deal than CPL, in my opinion, okay? And they have a team that they want to put in Toronto. Uh, they're partnered up with North Toronto Sports Club, so, uh, Soccer Club, NTSC. Nitros. Uh, and Nitros. And who knows? You know, they need a stadium. And they're probably not going to go to BMO Field because BMO, MLSC, they probably want a team in NWSL. So NWSL is obviously North American, whereas Project A is Canadian. So you got that MLS versus CPL, but in the women's game between NWSL and Project A, right? So let's say Toronto FC is gunning for an NWSL team and that'll let them play in BMO Field. So Project 8 needs to find another stadium. Well, who better to partner up with than York United, the second professional club playing CPL. So if a Project 8 team from Toronto has to partner up with York United for a stadium, then maybe we can build something bigger than what we need for York United. I don't know. we got to figure that shit out. That's up to the Pascals. This is a big uh, project on their hands. And I am based on what we've heard about the Pascals and what we've heard from them, they seem like they're really eager to tackle all this stuff on. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, Project Gates is going to, is uh, that they have a Toronto Toronto team, AFC Toronto City. Yep. And they're still trying to find a place where they could play. And yeah, and they were, part, they were actually part of uh, trying to be uh, with the York United when this uh, project was, that what I've heard sources, and I just have a question for uh, for you um, about this of uh, that as notice pro- this whole women's professional uh, soccer league that is supposed to be in twenty twenty five. Do you th- right now? There's three: Vancouver Whitecaps, Calgary FC, and AFC Toronto City. Do you think that they could have the Three teams. What's the question? Like, do you have the three the, teams? What do you mean? Do you think that they can make it up to eight teams? Oh yeah, I do. Of course, man. It's uh, what they're gonna start twenty twenty five. 
So obviously, this is a big year coming for them. They gotta obviously figure most of that shit out in the next four months, because it's kind of like the off season, right? And it does take like I don't know, minimum six months to create a club from scratch. Uh, and you to do it right, you really need twelve months, right? So in my opinion, right now it's time top chop. As soon as the holidays are over and it hits January, they gotta go full on blast mode into getting the rest of the city set up. But you know, a lot of these things are done hush hush, right? You know, we hear about this stuff like when it's announced, but that this stuff takes months, if not years, to plan and all that. So I'm sure those meetings are happening right now, and I'm sure there's like you know likely other clubs that are already kind of like 80-90% done. And but we only get to hear about it when it's like 99% or 100% done. But I'm sure the work is going on behind the scenes. Uh, I do know from uh, my friends who are involved in the Voyagers uh, and all that. Anytime uh, the Canadian national team, the men or the women playing Toronto stuff like that, the project people are out there. They're meeting with people. They're meeting with fans and all that. They're making themselves. They're making themselves public, and this is pretty much as big of a deal as a CPL is. So when CPL was being announced and launched in 2019, 2018, 2017, and you know making a big deal about it, now they're doing the same thing for Project Eight. So uh, yeah, man, the work is I'm sure definitely going on behind the scenes, man. So what cities uh, should they uh, think of uh, actually having a team? I mean, for me, it makes kind of sense to uh, put teams near the CPL teams, of course. But uh, obviously, CPL is missing uh, some important cities in our league. And if Project A can get those first, then kudos to them. Quebec City, London, uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, um, Edmonton, <laughs> there you go, uh, Saskatchewan, Regina slash uh, Saskat, Saskatoon, um, Maybe like Laval, so like a Montreal suburb. Um, there's so many cities, man. Even like Windsor, uh, whatever. So many cities that they could put. Gatineau, they could put. There's a lot of cities they could put teams in, man. You know what you're actually uh, missing? What? Moncton. Sure, Moncton. Yeah, of course, man. Maritimes too. Moncton actually was one of those cities that hosted in 2015. And right now, it's being slept on. Do you there think you Moncton is underrated i guess it's underrated by me right now so my bad <laughs> yeah totally could definitely put a team that not not just for the women's soccer league what about the canadian premier league yeah of course man we need more teams than maritimes man halifax is the uh, model um it's not the biggest city in the cpl cities but hell that did not matter at all what matters is uh uh how much the owners are willing to buy in with the local community how close to the downtown the stadium is and how many professional clubs uh, compete with it during the summer, that's the factors, right? So if all these cities that we talked about uh, uh, looks positive in those, uh, what we just mentioned, if the owners are willing to buy in, if they can get a pop-up stadium like uh, near the downtown, and if there's not a, not a lot of pro sports or minor league sports going on in the summer, it could be with CPL, it could be a freaking hit. So another here's another question for, for its uh, expansion teams. So they said they were going to have it 2025 and 2026, each two of them. Who do you think each two teams that are expanded from 2025, 2026, what city is going to be there? Oh, man, I could just come up with random cities, man. Any of those, uh, four of those random cities that I mentioned would uh, be, you know, for me, it doesn't matter what the order is. All that matters to me is that it's there and that it has good owners and that it has a good stadium, right? I think everybody knows a stadium is so key. You know, we had to rush the eight clubs initially. Obviously, it was terrible to start the 
the league with seven teams and have like those odd teams and all that but now we got eight teams so we rushed it we made it happen now we can kind of uh take our time uh to make sure we go from eight to ten to twelve because eight was a minimum you needed to make it legit right um so now we're not you know there's no rush anymore uh so i hope they get the stadium situation and the owner situation correct <laughs> to me they could come in 26 26 and i don't care i just want to make sure this is done right Everyone knows that Ottawa Fury was supposed to be uh, part of the Canadian Premier League from the first season. Of course. You know, I lived in Ottawa for five years. I was a supporter for Ottawa Fury. Uh, Bytown Boys. Bytown Boys. That was, I was a very big part of the Bytown Boys back in 2012 or so. And I moved uh, as we were moving from uh, PDL to uh, NASL. And I saw uh, Ottawa go from 300 fans a game to uh, 5,000 fans a game. And it was one of the most exciting times of my life, man. I used to take the bus or the train to uh, Ottawa quite often to try to make it to Fury games and stuff, to so the big games. And I had some really good memories there, man. And, you know, obviously everybody wanted Ottawa Fury to be in the CPL. It was a lot of drama. Um, you know, we kind of understand the reasons why they didn't want to. I think it has to do with the whole CSB stuff. I think Julian de Guzman knew all about that stuff. That's my opinion. So it's a shame that it had to be uh, what it had to be, which was that they got kicked out, they lost their license, uh, and then obviously Athletic Ottawa came in. But um, you know we do need obviously Ottawa and CPL, and I think um, you know big picture wise, the Canadian soccer fans do see that. So it was a sad but necessary um, thing that had to be done. You know, it is what it is. So I know it's going to be. Uh actually great if this is done for york united in the future for canadian soccer um now this one is going to be my last question it's going to be for the women's uh canadian national team christine st Clair. are you gonna miss her who isn't that who isn't yo like uh christine st Clair. Goat. yeah goat goat you know like uh the game is tonight so we're recording right now December 5th. So the game is tonight in Vancouver at uh, Christian Sinclair Place. Um, Vancouver legend. Um, I'm sure all the Vancouver FC fans will be there. All the uh, Pacific FC fans will be there. All the Whitecaps fans will be there. Every, everybody will be united for the Canadian Women's, Canadian women's National Team today uh, at, uh, at Christian Sinclair Place, man. It should be dope, man. Yeah, everyone's going to miss her. Now it's going to be called the Christine St. Clair Place. Um, I I know it's going to be a very emotional goodbye from Christine St. Clair. But what, what was your best memory from Christine St. Clair? What was your favorite memory? I, I have no clue what my favorite memory is. I think, it, I think it was 2015 or the gold medal or I, I don't... She won a gold medal, right? I keep on forgetting my mind. Yeah, yeah, gold medal Olympics, man. Yeah. And then, so, there's so many memories of, like, everything was so positive. I think everything that she achieved was actually great. And how many goals she's made was actually a good achievement for her. And everyone's going to, everyone's going to call Christine Sinclair as... The best Canadian soccer players, so that is one of the one of the greats of it. And the next ones will try to achieve that. 
and she is she's you know, representing the next generation for Canadian soccer. Bro, her, her name is in the Guinness Book of World Records and all that. She's like the Cristiano Ronaldo of women's football, and the fact that she's Canadian, man, is sick as hell, man. Yeah, maybe sooner or later going to put a statue. Hell, maybe everywhere. she'll be the new commissioner for Project Eight or something like that. That'd be sick. And she's part of the Project Eight. Exactly. No, maybe she's the commissioner too. On top of all that. Or even part of a Canadian Soccer Association. Maybe the next president. There you go. There you go, go Matt. She deserves it. And right now, hoping that this final match for Christine Sinclair goes with a W and make a great applause and see how it goes. And that's full time for the Red Leaf card. I'm Jacob, subbing out.